So hello, 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 everybody. Um, if you don't mind putting yourselves on mute, um, we will kick off today's uh, SUSO session, which is focused on talking about black women breaking barriers. Um, when Neil came up with this idea, who's going to be moderating the show, um, you know, the team thought this was so topical and such an excellent thing to start talking about. Um, what, what I tend to find with lots of things is that, and, and what we continue to try to strive to do in SUSO is to educate people on the subjects and the topics that people are uncomfortable to talk about. Um, and whilst many of you, many of you, particularly non-black women or, or even black uh, people, may be kind of feared or feared feared the topic or the conversation, you know, it's something that we want to help people embrace and understand because some of these issues are pretty real and always quite undertoned and we want to bring some of that to the forefront of some of these conversations. So to that, I'm really excited to have um, four phenomenal women with incredible stories and antidotes and perspective on what women have to go through, black women have to go through in today's corporate world and some of the, the microaggressions that they face and limitations that they face or, or, or imparity on, on opportunities. So we have, um, we have Chinwe SMA, um, Natalie Christie and Angel Burdett, who represent uh, the finance industry as well, as well as the media. And we thought it was really interesting to get some media perspective in today's conversation. Um, and, and with that, um, I'm gonna pass over to uh, Neil to, to start the, the introductions of the panel and, and starting with herself. Thank you. Um, I'm Neil Desi. I'm part of the Speak Up, Speak Out team moderating today. Um, and I'd like for our panel to give us a bit of an insight into themselves so you can get to know them. So we've got Natalie Christie, who's an SVP at City, Angel Joy Burdett, who's a VP at CNN, and Chinwe Esme, who's an MD at City. So Natalie, if we could start with you, please. Okay, putting me on the spot first. Hi, everyone. <laughs> really excited to be part of this conversation. Just a little bit of background about me. I'm originally from Jamaica. I've been in banking and finance since I graduated from school in 2003, working for three very large banks here in the United States. Um, really excited to share my experience and just, you know, have conversation around this topic. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And Angel, please tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Angel Burdett, and I have been in the media industry um, since 19... I don't know if I want to tell you <laughs> since 1995 and I've um, worked in local news and two networks. I'm currently um, a VP of affiliate sales on the affiliate side of CNN. We'll get started. So Angel, I wanted to come to you first, because in the last nine months, we've seen the appointments of black women into, you know, very prominent high, and high profile roles. So Kamala Harris, obviously the vice president of the United States. And with that followed a number of appointments in the US government. Uh, we had the Sunder Brown Duckett, who was announced as the president and chief executive of TIAA. Dr. Ngozi Okonjo-Awila was appointed as the head of the World Trade Organization and Bozema St. John as the chief marketing officer at Netflix. What do you put the timing of these appointments down to? Um, I think that uh, it's just time. I don't even really have a reason about it, right? Like there's nothing except that clearly there's a, a, a resurgence, right, of uh, racial awareness is what I'll call it, right? And the idea um, that there needs to be 
uh, more voice, more diversity um, in everything that we're doing, right? And the appointments are happening, I think, because just personally speaking, um, because there's um, a little bit of an awakening happening um, that allows people to feel, or companies to feel like they need to make these public appointments, you know? Yeah, and I guess with that in mind, you know, how much of a role do you think the killing of George Floyd and then, you know, essentially this global reckoning against racism that's followed has played in this recognition? And, you know, would these appointments still have happened if those events hadn't occurred? I mean, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, So I can't say whether or not they would have occurred or not, right? What I will say is I believe that it was... Um, um, a convergence of so many things. Being home because of um, COVID and quarantine. So your eyes are focused on everything media, right? I mean, you're looking at TV, you're watching the news, you're reading all the internet, right? You're doing everything you can to just, I don't know, stay sane because you don't have the other um, outside forces. So I think that seeing the video, um, and the length of the video and how it happened. And um, I don't know, everyone became aware of it as, you know, as if it was something new because we should acknowledge that it wasn't anything. George Floyd um, was, you know, not even the last name that we could name, right? And wasn't the first name that we could name of um, senseless killings um, of black people. So I do believe that it was quarantine, TV, George Floyd, um, Chauvin's knee on his neck, and all of that that caused the world to be like, wait, 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 I want to stand with you. Mm. Is this happening? What is going and on? And that inability to like run away as we normally would have done when we went back to the office. I think so, because in the office, you're not trying to talk about those kinds of things, generally speaking, yeah. right? Um, and I think that being home and being isolated, there was more, there were more conversations happening in the home, therefore they spilled out into your social conversations on the phone or on Zoom, right? Yeah. That, that's my opinion. Yeah. Well, Oh, go ahead, please. Sorry, go ahead. Angel. I mm -hmm. wanted to add to that. I think when you think of corporations, so many of them are making statements publicly about the killing, right? And then people start to challenge them. You say you support diversity and inclusion, but let's look at your leadership. Your mm -hmm. leadership does not back up your statement. So it's like, you know, you can't make this statement. And then when you look at your leadership, it doesn't, it doesn't align. So I think it made companies look within themselves to say, okay, if we're going to say this, donate this kind of money, what are we going to do with our board of directors? What are we going to do with our C-level suite manager? So now they're looking at the talent that's already been there, already shown that they can do the work and bringing them up. So I think that's where the shift was. It's funny because on social media, I saw so many posts. I can't remember um, an Instagram account that I follow, but it first challenged the, I think it was a beauty industry where, oh, pull up for change. That's what it was. And if you follow them on Instagram, they would ask them, okay, this is a statement you made, but when we look at your senior level suite, you have 0% Black representation, 0% Hispanic Latinx representation. And then it starts to trickle down into finance, into media, et cetera. So I think that was really the change um, last year, in my opinion, to add to what Angel said. 
So that's essentially, I guess, in kind of professions that maybe and industries that we work in, it's accelerating that work that maybe before would have taken, like would have moved along, but at a slower pace because there is work going on, right? But this is essentially organizations being called out and now having to be held accountable. I, I think that's right. And I, I also think though that, and, and to Natalie's point, I also think that behind the scenes, things have been happening but I believe that this, the moment, right? The, the environment, yes, George Floyd, but everything that surrounded that, right? The uh, people taking the street to the street to mm -hmm. actually uh, physically protest, to actually put their cells, themselves in harm's way, right? Because there was still a virus, a pandemic going on, right? Um, to protest that is still pretty cool and says a lot. Um, and I think companies can't avoid that. You, you, you can't avoid what's happening in the streets, right? And not make it happen in your, in your company, in your business. Yeah, and I guess as employees and consumers, we now expect these organizations where we spend our time or we spend our money, we expect them to behave in a different way and to be more inclusive and to show and demonstrate more equality in their workforce and in their products and their services. And that's also giving us as employees and as consumers an awful lot of power that we didn't have before because you see a lot of you know, organizations being called out now on social media because people have this opportunity to use their voice in a way that I don't really think we previously ever had on a topic like this. You know, a number of the individuals that we've mentioned in their appointments were portrayed quite negatively in the media, even when it was their successes that were being reported on. So, you know, some media articles on Dr. Ngozi's appointment to, as the head of the World Trade Organization really underplayed her substantial career and academic achievements and minimized the reporting to her being a grandmother and, you know, her qualifications being unverified. And after Bozeman St. John was appointed as a CMO at Netflix, there was an article that, you know, focused on her having worked at four brands in four years as though she's some kind of serial job hopper as opposed to her being so in demand in her field and you know race and gender just completely dominated coverage of Kamala Harris's VP announcement why do you think we continue to just see this pattern of disrespect towards the achievements of black women that's on us as consumers when we see these headlines when we read these articles not to assume that we're reading the truth and to kind of really stop and think about what is the tone of what I'm reading and the starting point should be that it is a very biased piece that's written, written negatively about a black woman or a woman of color or a person of color exactly and Angel, you know, a lack of diversity and change behind the scenes is still such a big factor. And we know that this change takes an awful lot of time. But I mean, in the meantime, are we losing this window of opportunity where the representation in the media is just not moving at a fast enough pace and at what is quite an opportune time to change this narrative? You're on mute. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> I think that I, I can only speak for, um, for my circle, right? And not necessarily just CNN, like it's not just about CNN. I have a circle of media friends, right? And I think that behind the scenes personally is an area um, that happens and um, where there is you know, um, change that can occur and that does occur. However, um, I think that there's also this like um, expectation um, 
much to what um, Chinwei was saying is that there's this expectation that's placed on a, on women first, on Black people, on Black women, um, that is just extremely, extremely higher than other expectations. And so um, I don't know if it's lagging as much as it is, um, how do I say this? You're gonna do what you wanna do for the public, right? Um, companies are going to appoint what they need to appoint externally, um, specifically in the media, right? So you're gonna have your anchors and your presenters and those kinds of things because it makes you look good, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that by any means, but are there enough producers? Are there enough, um, I don't know, uh, sales folks? Are there enough um, writers, people that are putting in the effort behind the scenes to make it happen. Um, I've seen it both ways. Um, I am a product of, um, I should have given you my background, but I used to be um, a producer. So I'm a producer by trade. So um, I am a news girl who happened to <laughs> transition into sales. So that's important. So I still have that editorial voice in my own head, right? I, I was doing the math the other day and I was like, oh no, I've been a salesperson longer than I've been an editorial person. Have I made the switch? Have I gone to the dark side? I say all that to say, sometimes, you know, that can be, um, the background is growing, but not as fast as any of us would want it to. And I don't think that it's just regulated to the media. Yeah. And Natalie, do you think it's true of like professions that we're familiar with that the change needs to happen at a more senior and visible level first in order for it to be reflected throughout? That's a really good question. I don't, my answer is why can't we do both, right? So I don't feel that we have to choose senior first and then lower level. Obviously we need representation in senior management because they're at the table making the decisions. You know, so we need them in the room, but at the same time, we need to start building that pipeline in the firm. So I think we can do both or we should focus on doing both. Yep. And I'm going to stay with you for this next question, but also it'd be great if Chinwei could share some thoughts. You know, if we consider the achievements of Black women in professions and industries like ours, the increased volume of recognition just seems to stoke the flames of tokenism even more. But some people would argue that this recognition is long overdue. So I'm keen to know your own observations and thoughts on this. Yeah, I can definitely identify with that, right? Because you don't want it to feel as though someone's being promoted because now there's a focus on inclusion and diversity. And then now you have this added pressure on proving everybody wrong that you do deserve to be here, right? Um, I think that I guess for me, how I approach is that I'm not going to focus on that. I know that I've worked very hard, a lot harder than others to get to the point that I am because I have that pressure on myself because I can afford to make a mistake. And we were talking about that earlier before we went live, that you have this immense pressure for perfection because you're representing so much more than yourself. I feel as though I'm representing other Black women in the company. So if they take a chance on me and I fail, they may feel as though I can paint a broad stroke because people have biases and not give somebody else a chance, right? So there's that piece. So I can't go into every meeting and every room thinking like people are gonna think I'm only here because I'm black. I'm here because I know what I'm doing and I've proved myself. So I feel as though, you know, we can't just have that be in the back of our mind because there's so many people who have been promoted who did not deserve it, who are not black, right? So, and then 
if it is that now they're finally going into their pool of talent and recognizing what's there and pulling them up, so be it. We deserve to be here. So that should be our focus. In the comments has shared an interesting point, which is, you know, this fear of hiring people of color because it could be considered reverse discrimination. But I think similarly on what we've just been talking about with kind of this tokenism, I mean, it's fair to say that this occurs when the majority are being um, promoted or hired. So, you know, if, if a white person's hiring a white person, you don't hear anything about them favoring a white individual over a person of color. Um, or you know you don't hear any of the noise that it's down to some kind of advantage or some kind of diversity quota. Do we just need to get more comfortable with this being the norm and make ourselves you know and well not make ourselves feel undeserving if essentially this is how the system works? Do we just need to get more comfortable with the system? Whoever wants to take that one, nobody wants to take that one. <laughs> I'm sorry, repeat the question again. Sorry, I was just... I would say yes. Um, well, not oh, necessarily. the question, Natalie? Sorry, go ahead, Neil, if you want to repeat it for Lydia. <laughs> oh, yeah, so the question was that um, essentially, you know, we, you know, white people hire white individuals, um, and when the majority get promoted or get hired, we don't have the same noise about tokenism or that they've got that opportunity due to some kind of advantage. So do people of color, do black women, do women of color just need to start getting comfortable that, it's the norm that these things work both ways and kind of not then make ourselves feel undeserving. If essentially that's how the system works, do we need to start playing by the same rules? Okay, got it. Go ahead, Natalie. Yeah, thanks, Lydia. Thanks, Neil. So I think it just goes back to the point that I made that, and you know, I have conversations with like the black woman in my circle in my organization. We can't focus on that piece, you know, because it's going to be just detrimental to your success. And you know, and I think it also is education, right? And awareness within your organization. So having training so people can understand biases and we can start having these difficult conversations and for people to share their personal experiences, I think it opens the eyes for others and maybe start shifting their thought. So, you know, I think with a mix of training, conversations like these and organizations and just, and just not taking that pressure on your shoulders, then we don't have to just accept it for what it is. You have to you have to push to like make the change. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Adrian. I agree. I just want to add one thing to that now. All of that is so true. And the only thing I'd like to add is that we as individuals have to be confident um, in ourselves as much as the average yeah. other person is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the confidence of an average worker that is none black is amazing. And so if we just had half of that confidence because we are brilliant and we deserve to be there. I also think just walking in the room with that is important as well. In addition to you know the work that the company needs to do, but as individuals, we have to remind ourselves, I belong and I deserve to be here. Absolutely, so I'll chime in now. Um, so probably years ago, um, I decided that I'm in charge of my future, my career, and that, you know, no one can stop me, right? I will make my decisions and make my choices and move as I need to to grow. Um, so I come in showing up confident in myself. If I have a seat at the table, 
I act like I belong there because I do have a seat at the table. You know, if I'm getting on a corporate jet and I've never been on a corporate jet before, I'm going to act like I belong there, right? So I, you know, take my rightful position and engage, you know, directly, uh, assertively, um, and just own my space, own my space and be present and try and bring as much of my authentic self as I can and have real conversations. Thank you, Nadia. And you know, Neil, just to add to that, I think it's really important when you think of Black women in senior roles, this is when you have to reach back, right? And you have to, and Lydia and I were in the same group and we have conversations all the time and looking on this call, I see others in the same group. You know, we have to be there to support each other. And whenever we see that we're going on that path of self-doubt or we don't belong there or, you know, wondering, you know, what people think of us, that is where we need to step in and reassure just that mentorship, that sisterhood, I think that's really important. And you know, there's this whole, there's this whole like stereotype that black women compete and we don't support each other, you know, which I absolutely hate because I feel as though there's so much room for all of us to shine. And if we come together as one and, you know, help each other out, we can accomplish so much more. So I think that is really critical in supporting each other within organizations because I wish that when I was coming up in my career in banking that I had someone who is there to kind of guide me and support me versus looking at me as I'm their competition. So mm -hmm. one of the things I want to do is to give back to others and to help them so they don't make the same mistakes or I can maybe help them navigate something or kind of inject that confidence in them that I know that they have, but they have self-doubt. So that's really critical too. You know, when you're in a meeting and you make a suggestion and, you know, if people ignore you or act like you didn't say it, say it again, <laughs> right? Um, because what will happen is someone will say exactly what you said, and then all of a sudden they hear you. So, you know, you got to own your voice, right? And make sure your point of view is coming across um, and making sure that you're being heard, you know, because there are some people that will be dismissive, uh, whether they are doing it consciously or unconsciously, but you continue to make sure you know, that your voice, you know, that your voice is heard. Don't allow people to dismiss you. Um, that happens for many women and it makes them, you know, uncomfortable. Then they get quiet and they start to shut down. No, you push through that, push through that. Yeah. Yeah. And Chinway, you know, the point you made about having executive confidence, the line between having executive confidence, but as a woman of color, particularly as a black woman, then getting the feedback that you're too direct or a version of communication type feedback that women of color particularly tend to get. That's a very thin line to, to navigate and, you know, finesse. And as yes. someone mentioned in the comments, it's exhausting because you are constantly having to define yourself or check yourself. And are you the right level of confident or are you a tad too confident? And do you need to wind it in? It's this constant assessment of where you are with these things. I'm going to talk just like I'm talking right now in this meeting, right? So I'm not going to do all that. That's too stressful. You imagine how stressful that is to think about every word you say? You know, you're going to think about it and you want to make sure that you're being thoughtful, um, but not to the point where you're stressing yourself out. Oh, how, what did they think of me? What did they think of me? People mess up all the time, creating too much in your head. Get out of your head, be in the room, be in the meeting be in the discussion, solve problems, make a difference, provide value. All the other mind stuff, you got to let it go. Maybe each of you could kind of share is, you know, there's no doubt many women who face the dilemmas that we've discussed today. What advice do you have for them and how 
can they or should they approach creating a professional support system around them? On the comment about white men, because some of my um, greatest um, mentors, sponsors early in my career were white men, were white Jewish men, um, and they really propelled and prepared me um, for, you know, my growth in my career. Um, and then throughout my career, you know, I met other people that were influential that were, you know, Black and other races. And in some cases, some of the Black folks that I encountered were actually not as supportive as some of the white people that were my mentors. So, um, you know, that's going back some years. Um, but I would say, yeah, be open to um, having uh, mentors and sponsors, sponsors of different races. Yeah. And Wherever Angel, the help's going to come, you better take it. <laughs> <laughs> and Angel, your thoughts? Oh, now um, you were asking another question after that. You were asking about something else. Yeah, I was asking about advice for other women who have faced similar dilemmas and how they can create a professional support system around them. So let me share one thing. I have a board of directors. Um, a board of directors is a group of people that you identify that are part of your circle. And these are the group of people that you go to, to when you need to make difficult decisions uh, in your life, whether professional or personal, these are people that you respect um, and people that have values that align to your values and people that will not just tell you what you want to hear, <laughs> but they'll also tell you the truth in terms of, you know, Lydia, do you think that was the best way to handle that, right? So you want people that will not just kind of get in the corner, you know, and whine with you, but people that will give you construct constructive, objective feedback. So create your board of directors and you have that group, you know, throughout, you know, your life and your career. So that's one of the things that's worked for me is having people uh, that I can tap into. Um, yeah, that's one thing I would share. So, so Neil, just, just with 10 minutes to go, I, I'd like to take the last five minutes. Um, so to recap some of what we've heard today. Um, and so if you want to take the next five minutes to, um, to close out with the, the panel. Um, and I'd like, just like to personally thank Lydia and Barrett in advance for um, creating a new dimension to the SUSO discussion as she's just kind of started, she became, she became an additional inserted a panel member because, and if no one's, if we're talking about example of confidence and actually having something to say, let Lydia be a shining example of how I think people should just step in and engage and, and try to help, which is exactly what she's been doing. So I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Lydia, for that. Um, so, Neil, if you want to wrap up, and then one of the things that we're going to try and do is we're going to keep the call open after the hour, because what we find is that sometimes people just want to talk a bit more casually and keep the conversation going. And I normally have to run off to a meeting, which I do, um, and then we just kill the call dead. So we're going to keep the call open, and anyone that wants to stay on the network can talk can as well after. But, Neil, if you want to take the next five minutes, then I'll close out the last five minutes. Yeah, we'll do. Angel, is there anything that you wanted to add on kind of this building a support system? Um, the only thing I'll say is I want to go back to what confident, what I meant by confidence so that we can all be on the same page of what I'm saying is that authenticity is key. Being true to yourself is key. 
So one of the things that happens is to build your board of directors. That's the term I use as well. Um, and I actually assign roles. So um, I have a professional council or member of my council, right? I have a personal member, I have a financial member. And I think that it's very important um, to recognize and be open for feedback from your circle, whatever your circle is. Um, Lydia and I call it a board of directors. Some people call it their circle, their mentors. It doesn't even matter. And my circle is full of all kind of people. And so it should be open to everyone, right? Never even crossed my mind that a white woman or a white man or a Hispanic woman or a Latina man can't be impactful in my life, right? Mm -hmm. So I want us to just always be open to those kinds of things. And then the second thing is um, if you can be true to yourself and understand what it is that you want, because sometimes I find that we don't even know what it is that we're asking for and need and want. So we need to identify that for ourselves individually, not as a monolith, not as a black woman, but as Angel, as Lydia, as Chinwe, as Natalie, right? And so those are important. I think those are two important things that I wanna say. Be authentic, know what you want and get some friends that will be great advisors to you. Thank you. And Natalie, any closing words from you? Yes, I agree with all of that. And the last thing I want to add is that you have to ask for what you want, right? Because sometimes we're so afraid to speak up and ask for what we want. So, I mean, you get your board of directors to get that feedback. You have your mentors and your advocates, but you have to tell them what it is once you figure it out to Angel's point that you want so they can help you achieve that. And for the people who can influence, they need to know. So I just wanted to add that piece on the end. Thank you so much. And for me, a personal thank you to all of you for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking this time and a massive thank you to our speakers. That was really, really awesome. Much appreciated. Steve, over to you to close out on the hour mark for the soft close. Um, so look, firstly, uh, Natalie, Chinwei and Angel, thank you for, for sharing some of your thoughts and perspective today. I, I think um, this was probably one of the most authentic conversations that I've had in a while around um, what, it's, what it takes for, for um, Black women to, to succeed in the workplace and what they have to deal with. Um, so, so I really appreciate that. Um, I really want to just thank the audience. Um, there's, you know, I'm, I'm, I have the fortune of you know, being able to create a network like this because I'm surrounded by so many phenomenal people, um, even the non-Black people like Matt, who is a a true supporter and uh, a surrogate son of mine who has the confidence to turn up here every time and listen to these difficult conversations and being comfortable um, in his skin as he does that. Um, but also there's so many phenomenal women on this call, um, too many to call out who are writing their own future with, 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 and they're unapologetic about it and, and they're, they're making waves for the future of our people that you will hear about one day. Um, so I'm I, so excited to see so many of you on the call. But then most of importantly, I've been surrounded as a young black man, as with a single mother, I've been surrounded by phenomenal black women. So it's nothing new to me, right? My mum did three jobs to get us through school and feed us. My sister was like a second mum. I've got nieces who keep me honest today. Uh, my, my wife, who's, who's Latin, but also non-white, um, it's like she's raising, a, raising her son again because, you know, I tend to still be immature. And then my daughters who are now starting to be more mature than me and keeping me in check. So I'm surrounded by phenomenal women 
from day one to now, right? Which is an important, which is why this topic was so important to me. Um, but most of them, most of all, I think that, you know, the point, some of the points to recap is, it's just how important the network is, right? So when we talk about, when we talk about um, the difference in privilege, it, the privilege is really just network. So if you grew up in a neighborhood and you're gonna to wanna to help your people in your neighborhood, if you go to a certain school, you're gonna help people in your alumni or your school. So it's just natural that, you know, if we weren't part of that ecosystem that we're gonna be disadvantaged. And that's why it's important to create a network where you can think a little bit differently and can create opportunities for people that don't have that privilege or that network to start with. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just the reality of what it is, which is why this, this, this network is so important for me and to share this network is so important. But we talked a little bit about tokenism, um, yeah, you know, we, we all face that. Even as a black man, I recently got promoted to a, a, a fairly significant job. And the first thing I started hearing was people saying, oh, is it because he's black? And that's just because they don't know me, right? And if you know me, you know me. And if you don't, you don't. But it's just typical human behavior of what people do. But we talked about this paradigm, the paradigm we're in. Um, I see it as a major opportunity. So I don't think you should be ashamed to jump on the black bandwagon and take advantage of it because many of you have been disadvantaged for a long time. And as a, a, a non-black mentor said, the pendulum's just swung, right? So it's been swung in the wrong way or an unfair way for a very long time. So in order for it to get back in the middle, for us to never have this conversation, we have to swing it the opposite way in an extreme way to actually make a difference. And eventually one day, maybe we won't have to talk about this. Um, we talked about it's not the first time around George Floyd um, and having to be perfect. Um, these are all things that I think we carry from, you know, from growing up through our parenting, through our children. We, we're grown up to feel that we're not equals and that we have to be better than the people that we face. And, and again, that's something that I think through some of these conversations, we can start to, to tackle and give people confidence to be themselves and be authentic and unapologetic about who they really are. Um, and I know it's worked for me. The more authentic and unapologetic I've been in the last three years, it's probably been the most successful I've been whilst being the most happiest about me and the job that I do. So, um, but it, what's really come out through this conversation as well is this, this, this topic of excellence, right? And I think we have these traditionalist views around excellence and we don't really tackle and what excellence really means. We kind of scratch the surface. And so again, for all of and for all people that have an ability to help someone else, you really have to look at excellence from a lens that's different to yours and to be open to learning about what true excellence means. Um, and, um, you know, so, so when, so, so again, you know, you know, their SUSO network, um, you know, the question is, how can you help, right? So for me, um, one of my favorite leaders of all time um, and his saying is Gandhi, who says, we must become the change we want to see, right? So um, this network has the ability to become the change it wants to see. So as non-Black leaders, I'm just gonna ask you simply, like when was the last time you took a chance on anyone? When were they Black? When were they a woman? When were they a Black woman? It's a simple thing for you to all self-reflect on and to take in what you heard today as this is what people feel and have experienced and how you can actually change that, change that optic with the one or two jobs that you have the power to hire in. And then as black leaders, again, to be un unapologetic around, don't be scared of, of taking that chance and standing out because believe it or not, you've been judged that way for your whole careers anyway, right? But the fact that you've got to this point 
means that you've already surpassed the litmus test and now it's time to take charge. So give that person that chance that, that allows, that gives them the, the foot in the door that you once wanted that never had, or you had it 10 times harder than everyone else. It's your time to make a difference and stand out for the right reasons. Um, so so um, that's just the, the kind of wrap up for me. And then the, the final two points is that we are kicking off a mentoring program, um, which is really targeted um, at, um, we know how difficult it is for people within firms to have mentors in the same firm and to be their truthful self. So we want to create this cross group mentoring where you get mentors, particularly mid-level management who are struggling to find their value, find their confidence, that we give you mentors outside of your firm that will help you and guide you to success, whether it's in your firm or outside of your firm. Um, so we're looking for 20 mentors um, for this program. Um, so if you're interested, please email us um, on speakoutspeakout.team.us or you can hit me directly. But we are going to be looking for 20 mentors and we're looking to launch that um, program 1st of May. The second thing is we're kicking off the Entre Entrepreneurs Club. As you all know that we talk about systemic wealth. It's not going to, it's not going to happen just on these calls or complaining. We have to start thinking about Black-owned businesses and how we can empower Black entrepreneurs to actually fulfill their achievements and give them support that they need to change some of the wealth gaps that we talk about. Um, so we're kicking off the Black Entrepreneurs Club first Thursday of next month. Um, that's again, that's a specific closed invite only session. Um, if you're an investor, you're, you have an idea that you want support on, you've been around um, and any startups and or you're just looking for ideas because you have the entrepreneurial spirit, then this forum will be for you where we will create um, an environment for you to network and share ideas and get feedback. So just going back to, as I conclude and thank everybody for their participation today, um, and as I conclude on, um, you know, the takeaway from this group is that, you know, we almost considered canceling the session today. And I can't believe we would have based on the content. And the reason being is just that we don't think we had enough support or take up. And what we've also talked about is that everyone is on the, on the, at the year or the, um, the anniversary of George Floyd, where we had so much empathy and interest and desire, people are starting to go back to their day to day and they're too busy for what is this important topic that actually does affect them in the long run. So I, I ask you all to make time to be the change that we want to be, right? It's really important. So on that note, I do have to run. Um, blessings to everyone, good health, and thank you. Again, thank you, Natalie and Angel, for an inspiring conversation. And I'll see you all soon. Speak up and speak out.